0: Hello and welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansard. We have a great show for you today. We'll have a great show each of the next four weeks. It's that time of year when all of our focus here at American Humane Association is on the annual Hero Dog Awards. And this radio show, we will be interviewing each of our eight finalist dogs with two per show. Starting today, we'll be interviewing the dog's handlers. And if the dogs want to add a bark or two to the conversation, that's perfectly fine with all of us. All eight of these dogs and their handlers will join us in Hollywood on September 19th for the 2015 Hero Dog Awards Gala, presented by the Lois Pope Life Foundation. We're so excited to announce that we'll be seeing some familiar faces joining us on stage at this year's gala at the Beverly Hilton. Last year's dynamic hosting duo of Beth Stern and James Ditton have graciously agreed to team up once again, and our featured musical guest of the evening is John Andrasik, who you know is Five for Fighting, who served as the feature act, our featured musical performer, at the inaugural show in 2011. It's really like a family reunion, friends, and we're so excited to be celebrating our fifth year of the Hero Dog Awards. Each of these dogs will be profiled in a memorial tribute video, allowing the audience to really see these dogs in action. And at the end of the night, one of the eight will be named our 2015 American Hero Dog, joining an exclusive group of Hero Dogs that features only four other members so far. All of this will be taped for a national television broadcast on Hallmark Channel on Friday, October 30th, so be sure to mark your calendars. Who will take home top honors this year? Well, it's up for you to decide. Simply go to HerodogAwards.org once a day between now and September 7th to vote for your favorite finalist. If you can't decide who to vote for, you can vote for a different one each day. Each of the dogs on the website has their story and their owner's own words. And next, over the few weeks ahead, you'll be able to listen to the owners so you can have a better understanding for their power of the human-animal bond in their lives. This week's show will feature our first two finalists. First, we'll be joined by Landa Cauldron, whose bloodhound, Glory, is our Search and Rescue Dog category winner. Glory is a bit of a unique search and rescue dog who has a job many people might not expect, which you'll hear about later in our show today. And then we'll be speaking to Rudy Taylor, whose Chihuahua Harley is our Emerging Hero Dog of the Year. That's the category for ordinary dogs who do extraordinary things. Our Emerging Hero category is sponsored by Muriel, maker of NexGuard Chewables. Harley certainly does do extraordinary things every day, and we'll all learn more about him later on in today's show. But first, I want to talk to you about an exciting new medical research paradigm we've been pioneering at the American Humane Association. I just returned from the International Conference on Epidemiology and Public Health in Valencia, Spain, where I had the privilege to address a crowd about a new medical research model with the potential to help human and animals alike live a long, healthy, and humane life. This follows an article that I co-wrote with the incredible and legendary Dr. Patricia Olson, who served as our chief veterinary advisor at American Humane Association for several years. And before that, she was uh, head of our animal programs back in the 1990s. Dr. Olson is a brilliant mind in the space of veterinary medicine and it has been an honor to be a colleague of hers in this space. A new medical research model advancing human and animal health humanely was actually presented earlier this year in the annual review of Animal Bioscience. This model is predicated on a meaningful commitment by both the medical and veterinary researchers community to work collaboratively together to address disease and disorders in humans and animals, evaluating genetic and environmental risk factors, diagnostic indicators, and novel therapies. The pursuit of such a medical model requires humane, ethical principles that I know our listeners would agree to, to ensure success. American Humane Association's Animal Welfare Research Institute has identified multiple diseases and disorders that afflict both animals and kiddos to include cancer, diabetes, RSV, asthma, foodborne illnesses, obesity, neurological disorders, and tuberculosis. And it's really necessary, friends, to seek innovative collaborations where we can learn from the human and animal kingdom to seek innovative collaborations whereby genetic, nutritional, and environmental factors might be identified, and where we can leverage the expertise of scientists working with companion animals, farm animals, and wildlife to help optimize the health of both humans and animals. You know, society stands on this area of change as the ability to sequence and study the genomes of both human and animals is dramatically altering how scientists and doctors study and treat disease and disorders, medical breakthroughs stemming from a deeper, understanding of our genomic blueprint and the blueprints of other species have created a watershed moment for genomic medicine. Advances in the ability to identify and functionally interpret changes in the genetic blueprint of humans and animals have already begun to radically change the practice of medicine for all species. We're really excited to see where this research can take us and how it can do so much good to better the lives of those who need it most. We'll be right back with Scott Sowers, our correspondent who's on the road this week interviewing our Hero Dog Awards finalist. He'll be back with our first of our eight 2015 Hero Dogs. You're listening to Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansert on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back.
1: We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? <laughs> you can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4-K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Thank you, Robin, and welcome back to the show. This is the second year we've done the radio show, and we've had so much fun bringing you fun interviews with special guests week after week. I'm Scott Sowers. I'm the executive producer of Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansard, and I'm here today to talk with the very first of our eight Hero Dog Awards finalists. As Robin said, this is going to be a four-part series, and we're going to do two dogs per show over the next few weeks. So let's go ahead, without further ado, and kick it off with Glory, who is the winner of our Search and Rescue Dog category. All of our search and rescue dog category winners in the past have been used to find missing people, but Glory is a bit different, as you'll soon find out. I'm now joined on the line by Glory's mom and her handler, Landa Coldiron. Hi, Landa. How are you today?
2: Hello. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm very grateful to have won the award, and Glory's right here with me, and she's grateful, too.
1: Great. Well, you know, we're so happy to have you, and we can't wait to meet you in Los Angeles in a couple weeks. So, as I was just saying, many people think of search and rescue dogs as lifesavers for people or capable of bringing closure to families who did not know the whereabouts of missing family members. But Glory's a little bit different, so can you tell our listeners why?
2: Yes, I can. Glory, as far as I know, is the only certified bloodhound in the country used to locate missing pets.
1: So, how did you get into that business? Because, as you said, she's the only one.
2: Well, the way I got into this is that I started about 10 years ago, about 11 years ago, with People Search and Rescue. And I worked with them for about a year. And People would call in and ask the search and rescue team if they could be used to locate, you know, pets that were missing. And I I heard a lot of them were very desperate and crying and they had no help. They didn't know what to do. And I wondered if it could be done with a search dog. And I happened to be watching Animal Planet one afternoon and I did see a retired police officer using her bloodhound to locate lost pets. So I called her and... We spoke at length, and she became one of my mentors, actually, and as soon as I saw the TV program and spoke with her, I knew I was going to be using my bloodhounds to look for lost pets, so I switched over, I believe, the next day, and I never stopped.
1: So, Gloria was with you doing people search and rescues before that.
2: No, Glory was not. It was Ellie May was my first bloodhound who was doing the people searching recipes who I switched over. Mm -hmm. And then I got Glory about a year after that because Glory was started immediately searching for lost pets. I started her on lost pets. You can't Uh switch back and forth from people to pets.
1: Gotcha. Can you tell us what makes bloodhounds like Glory so well suited to to tracking people and pets in, in her case?
2: Yes, I can. Bloodhounds are actually the oldest breed of dogs that hunt by scent. They were brought over from Constantinople in the 1300s, actually, and they're specifically bred. Their whole makeup and their whole body is for scent work. Their long, pendulous ears helps to bring scent into their nasal cavity. They have about 220 million scent receptors in their nostrils. Their ULAP, which are, and their flues, they even have an extra body part used to manufacture tool, which helps to bring in the scent to their nasal cavities. They are actually made for scent work.
1: That's amazing. You know, Glory has done so much to earn the honors as top search and rescue dog of the year for 2015. And there's so many stories that I know you can tell. We could be here for hours. Can you just tell a few of these stories for our listeners? Uh, One in particular that got to me was the story of the lost cat named Pistol.
2: Yes, Glory has been used to bring closure to hundreds of families and on occasion she can walk up and have a live walk up find where she walks up and finds the animal alive, which is very difficult to do. Pistol is a, was an outdoor active cat, young cat. That suddenly went missing from the owner's front yard. They had no clue as to what happened to her. Uh, I believe on the fourth or fifth day, we brought Glory on scene. She was able to establish a direction of travel over an apartment complex wall into another apartment complex. From there, she led to a freeway fence line and kept head-popping, meaning, okay, the scent goes across the freeway. It was about an eight-lane, very busy freeway we could not get across, so I instructed the owners to place a giant neon poster exactly where Glory had popped her head. They did it after I left about an hour later. Within one hour, they had the pistol back. She hadn't crossed the freeway for some unknown reason, was alive and had been feed- someone had been feeding her right at the house. At the first house, that Glory had popped her head across the freeway. I, was- I could actually see from across the freeway. So that was a really good happy ending and it's actually also very difficult to do this because just Pista was an outdoor access cat, allowed to roam outside for a year. So, the scent was layered and blended. So, the dogs have to pick up the top layer of scent. So, again, it's a very difficult thing to do.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
2: I, it's amazing that Glory can do it. And she does it over and over again.
1: Yeah, and and so another story that you've told before is the story of Paisley, the Yorkie, who was lost for three days, but thanks to Glory's devotion, she was found. Can you talk a little bit about finding Paisley?
2: Yes, Paisley is a Yorkshire Bichon mix, and um, her owners had just moved to Pasadena, and it was during the Rose Parade. The owners had left Paisley with a pet sitter who lost her which is unfortunately common. They, again, had no idea what had happened, which way she went. It had been three days, no leads. We brought Glory on scene. Glory led about two blocks away across a busy street to a yard and indicated that it was very strongly that Paisley had been in that yard. We continue to work the case, and in the meantime, Derek, the owner, had knocked on the door of the yard and found out that the day before, Paisley was in the yard, and the neighbor had picked Paisley up and transported her about 40 minutes away to a rescue. And she was reunited with Eric that evening.
1: That's amazing. What's the longest search the two of you performed?
2: The longest search that we performed where Glory has been successful is 22 days. An outdoor access cat had been allowed outside for about five years. And it was a very difficult trail, but it was twists and turn across streets and turning left and turning right. And Glory did walk up and found the cats. Unfortunately, found the cats remain. But again, 22 days, the owner was frantic, had no idea what happened. And even though it is very sad, the owner had closure, which is very important in these cases because a lot Definitely. of people don't get the closure they need. And they're still, after five and six years, looking for their pets.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's just a a great thing to have when people don't know where else to turn. Talk about what makes Glory so good at her job. I mean, just 22 days, I believe you said, just to to find a cat. Talk about why she's so well-suited for this.
2: I think Glory is very well-suited for this job because, number one, she's bred for the job. She was trained from six weeks old. I trained her. I started training her immediately the day I got her. She's very devoted, she's motivated, she has drive. I think she really can understand that it's important in her own doggy way, and she always wants to work. She always wants to go in the car to go to work.
1: So how often are the two of you on the job?
2: Are on the job several times during the month. I travel all over the state of California. It is a team effort. I do work with a private investigator, and we have about four to five other search dogs. And we work for people that we feel that we can help. We can't help everybody, but I work for people that I feel the search dogs can be of help.
1: Yeah. So when Glory's off-duty, what is she like just, you know, at home and just being a dog? Glory
2: loves to lay in front of the air conditioning. (laughs) She is pampered. She plays with the other bloodhound, Diana. And she loves her food, of course. And she likes to bark at the other dogs going by outside of the yard <laughs> that walk by our house. And she likes the horses too. I have horses and she likes to go out and touch noses with them and they call them gentle giants and she really is a gentle giant. And she, I put a newborn kitten on her before and she's Aww. very gentle.
1: Well, that's very sweet to hear. And, you know, it's interesting this year that not only do we have, we don't just have one Glory. We actually have two Glories among our eight finalists this year. The other Glory is our Arson Dog of the Year, who you'll hear a later show in a couple weeks. But um, it's kind of amazing that both of our Glories, they use their most powerful tool, their nose, to, to bring about closure. So how about that?
2: Yes, I was surprised there was another finalist that was named Glory. I'm looking forward to meeting the dog and the owner.
1: Yeah, well, you'll definitely have the chance in Los Angeles in just a couple weeks. So now I'm just going to ask you some questions that we ask of all of our finalists on these shows just to get their perspective on things. After you nominated Glory, were you nervous waiting to see if her name was mentioned among the dogs in each of our subsequent rounds, like the semifinals and the finalists?
2: Well, last year, she actually did win the semifinalist position. So, I was not really going to enter her again this year. I actually entered her on the last day, I think like the last hour, I decided to enter her and yes, I was very apprehensive and nervous, you know, it is a long process and she has a big following on Facebook, Glory the Bloodhound and... I've just been, you know, well-received. I I've had, obviously have a lot of fans and a lot of votes. So when I heard the news, that, when I got the news, the email that she did win this year, I was very overwhelmed. It's just really nice to be recognized for the work we do. It's very difficult work in extreme temperatures and it's relatively new. You know, there's only about 12 to 18 handlers certified with their dogs in the whole United States doing this that I'm aware of. So it's just really, really nice to be recognized and for Glory to be recognized towards the end of her career. It really is.
1: Yeah. So what would it mean for you for Glory to be named the 2015 American Hero Dog?
2: It would really be emotional, I think, because I know all the work I put in with her for years and thousands and thousands of hours. I think every dog on the planet is a hero. I really do. Um, We agree. Really, it would it would mean a lot for Gloria and I to win overall because again, just all the devotion and the time and the energy and and the hard searches that she puts in and the amazing nose that she has. It's still not understood. Instruments cannot measure what a dog can smell. To this day, they don't really know how it's done, but it's amazing. It really is. I would be honored and grateful.
1: We know that Glory and really all seven of our dogs would be worthy winners. So right now it's up to America to decide. So just keep those votes coming in at org for Glory or any of the other seven dogs. Have you had a chance to film your tribute video yet? Yes, we did.
2: It was the hottest day of the year, I think, but we did it. Glory did really good. It was about a seven or eight hour shoot. And finally, at the end of the day, she went and hid behind me. So I think she had enough, but it was fun and the crew was great. I think it's going to turn out really well. I cannot wait to see it. I believe the night of the event, we'll finally see it.
1: Yep, that's where we premiere it for the audience who's there at the Beverly Hilton. And then certainly it'll be on our national broadcast on October 30th on Hallmark Channel. So be sure to mark your calendars. So each Hero Dog, as you know, Landa, but our listeners might not be aware, that each Hero Dog nominee selects a charity partner when they nominate their dog. And the charity partners do great work every day advancing the strong bond between dogs and humans. And by winning her category, Glory, and our seven other winners will receive a $2,500 donation in their dog's name to their designated charity partner. And the 2015 American Hero Dog will win an additional $5,000 for their charity partner. So that's $7,500 in total for the overall winner. And that'll allow these charity partners to continue doing their great work. And so Glory has selected the National Search Dog Alliance. Can you talk a little bit about them?
2: Yes. They're a wonderful, life-saving organization, nonprofit, the National Search Dog Alliance. I'm thrilled. That's another thing to be able to give something back to charity. I'm I'm just thrilled that I can do this. I believe they were in Texas a couple months ago during the flood, saving lives uh, with their dogs, and I know it's a great organization, and I cannot wait to meet everyone the evening, uh, the award ceremony, and present the check to them. I'm thrilled.
1: And what are you most looking forward to on your trip to Los Angeles for the gala?
2: I'm looking forward to the Black Tie Affair. I already have my beautiful dress. Great. And, you know, meeting celebrities, you know, I live in LA and I'm, I've lived in Beverly Hills, so I've been in with a lot of the, you know, celebrity type crowd, but it's yeah. fun to go back. And it's really going to be a treat, I think, for the other people that haven't been to Beverly Hills. It's really something I know my business associate, private investigator that I work with will be coming with me. And I know she's oh, really excited. And, and I just, I can't wait to, to meet the Beverly Hilton and meet all the other dogs and the contestants. We've already Facebooked some of them. And and I'm just really and looking forward to meeting you and everyone else in the organization.
1: Well, I look forward to meeting you and, and of course Glory as well. Thanks so much for joining us today, Landa. I can't wait to see the both of you in Los Angeles on September 19th. And uh, safe travels. Uh, I know for you it's it's a short journey, but as a, you know, just just be safe. And we'll see you in a few weeks.
2: Very good. Thank you Aww. very much.
1: And we'll be right back with our next hero dog. You're listening to Pet Life Radio. Sit. Day. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact.
0: It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, Front paw sleeves and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetsweaters.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk
1: pets on
0: Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. radio.com <laughs>
1: Welcome back. Seven of the eight categories of the Hero Dog Awards are dedicated to dogs who have highly specialized training to do their job. But our next finalist on today's show comes from the category that's all about ordinary dogs who do extraordinary things. In this category, our emerging Hero Dog category is sponsored by Marielle, makers of Next Guard Chewables. This year's winner is the smallest dog we've ever had at the Hero Dog Awards, but certainly has one of the biggest hearts and has done some amazing things. Harley the Chihuahua spent 10, yes 10, long years living in a small cage in a puppy mill before he was rescued and found a forever home. And now he's a voice for those dogs who still find themselves in puppy mills around the country. His savior is on the line now with us. We're so pleased to be joined with Rudy Taylor. Hi, Rudy. How are you today?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. And how's Harley doing? Is he there with you?
3: Yes, he happens to be here and he's doing really well.
1: Great. So ten years in a puppy mill, I can't imagine what horrors your precious little guy went through.
3: Yes. He it really did take its toll on him. It it is a very long time for any dog to live in a cage, but Harley in particular, being in a cage for that long, he he sustained a lot of problems in particular, like his, his spine at his neck is all fused from being in such a cramped cage. His legs are crippled and his toes were all deformed and kind of gnarled. He had lost his eye to a power washer because it's not uncommon for them to clean the cages using a power washer and they don't remo- remove the dogs. And his tail was broken and um, he had a, a series of other things. His mouth was just filled with rot. But, you know, that was just over four years ago and he wasn't expected to live more than about two or three months after he left the mill, That he's yeah. proven everybody wrong.
1: So he's he's 14 now? Yes, he is. So how did Harley get rescued?
3: Well, Harley, actually what happened is we call him the bucket dog. And there is somebody that works inside the puppy mill, and her job every day in the morning was always to go through and, and take all the dead puppies or any dead dogs, and they'd be thrown in a bucket. Well, Harley was thrown in the bucket with a bunch of puppies. And then when she realized that he was still alive, she asked the the breeder, the lady that owned the mill, if she could just give him to a rescue. So fortunately that happened and the lady that it was a small rescue and the lady that had the the rescue immediately got him into the vet he was he was very very sick he probably appeared almost dead and then from there i immediately got him
1: so how did you find out about Harley
3: well the lady had this rescue she doesn't have it anymore but it's a, a tr- it was a chihuahua rescue and i just have a thing for chihuahuas, and she just had posted a picture of him. And I saw this little, sickly-looking dog with one eye, and I just thought, man, I've got to have him. I called her and spent a very long time on the phone and convinced her that, you know, let me just have him. I'll give him as much love as I can just, you know, for the little bit of time he had left. So she agreed, and we met in the middle of Kansas. We both drove about halfway, and I brought him home with me. And I immediately got him a lot of additional vet care, And over time, he started to thrive, and yep, that's about it.
1: So how did Harley go from this amazing survivor of a puppy mill to uh, a spokesdog against puppy mills?
3: Well, there's something about Harley that's just plain magical. Most people don't really know it unless they've looked at his pictures a lot or held him especially. But, you know, he's just got such an imperfect look that people have a tendency to just relate to him. And people, if I'm walking down the street and carrying Harley, people will say, what happened to his eye? So immediately that kind of opened the door so I could tell his story and explain about puppy mills and the whole commercial dog breeding industry. So then it was like, you know, maybe Harley needs a Facebook page so he can kind of share his adventures with everybody and at the same time educate people. So. That's kind of what happened, and that kept growing. And Harley, you know, he continued to get a little bit more healthier all the time. And then at one point, it was like, well, let's create a little campaign for Harley called Harley to the Rescue so that we could start raising money and then um, actually going on missions to rescue dogs from puppy mills along with National Mill Dog Rescue.
1: I understand from when uh, Harley goes on these these rescues, he knows exactly the environment he's going into, I'm guessing because it's so... Ingrained within him—is that right?
2: Yes, yes,
3: and it's. Um, at first, it was like, "Gee, how is Harley going to deal with this? This is this is going to be a little bit scary for him, maybe." So I was concerned, but once he he just kind of fell right into it. I mean, not in a way that, "Gee, this is comfortable for him," but in a way that he was concerned, and he just seemed really aware, just aware. I mean, there could be a dog that we get out of the puppy mill that maybe had been, you know, living in a cage for five or six years. And Harley just, I can't even explain it, but he'll just kind of put his nose up to the cage and the dog will just maybe come up and they'll touch noses. But wow. yet, on the other hand, if a human were to touch that dog fresh out of the mill, that dog's scared to death and just stuffs himself into the furthest corner.
1: So does Harley have any brothers and sisters who uh, who were rescued from puppy mills?
3: Yes. Two of Harley's sisters both came from puppy mills. Okay.
1: And so talk a little bit more about Harley to the Rescue, which I understand has provided medical care and, and funds to help more than 500 dogs who are rescued from situations like Harley's.
3: You want to hear more about Harley Yeah, to the yeah, the yeah,
1: yeah, just talk a little bit more about you know what this campaign is and, and what you do or what he does. Okay,
3: well, basically, you know, the campaign, like I said, it, it raises the money to provide, to not only pay for the rescue, which, you know, it's not uncommon to drive like 3,000 or more miles in just three days. And usually our rescue team has anywhere from usually seven to eight people, sometimes nine people. And we'll typically include two large rescue vans. But it's not only Harley that goes. He's got a little sidekick named Teddy. And Teddy's another chihuahua. So Harley and Teddy always go together. They each have little capes with, you know, an H and a T on them. It's, It's really quite cute. And, yeah, that's what we do. You know, we go out. We might get anywhere from 50 to maybe 90 dogs in one rescue, wow. and we bring them all the way back to Colorado to National Mill Dog Rescue's facility, which is near Colorado Springs, and from there, they, they get all the medical care they need. If some of them need rehabbed, they get that, and then, then we find them forever homes. You know, it's hardly the rescue that raises all the money to make it possible.
1: Yeah. And so while we were doing research for today's interview, uh, we saw that Harley has actually been famous for a little while, including as a cover boy on Modern Dog Magazine. Can you talk a little bit about how Harley landed that awesome gig?
3: Oh, yeah, that was pretty exciting. Well, it was actually a contest. Modern Dog Magazine was having their first ever cover dog contest, Uh and Harley won it, and that put him on the cover. He was actually the It was the first time Modern Dog ever had just a picture of a dog on their cover, especially such an imperfect-looking dog. Um, I believe their covers are typically celebrities holding a dog. So Harley was the only time they'd ever done that, and it was great. They sold a tremendous amount of subscriptions to their magazine, and um, they wrote a great article about him. And the whole idea behind doing it was you know, just to raise awareness about puppy mills, and that it did.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, and we thank Modern Dog Magazine for their sponsorship of this year's Mm -hmm. service dog category, and we'll hear from our service dog of the year, Axel, in a a later show. So let me just ask you a couple questions that I've been asking all eight of our finalists just to kind of get their feel about this year's Hero Dog Awards. After you nominated Harley and then you went through the voting of the first round, were you nervous to see his name unveiled as one of our semifinalists and then one of our finalists as well?
3: Yes. I was excited. (laughs) I have an awful lot of faith in Harley, you know, and he's got a very, very strong fan base. Um, There's tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people across the world that just, they really support him. And for many reasons, not just because he's such an advocate for puppy mill dogs, but because a lot of people, I believe can't really relate to other people as easily but for some reason they can look at this little dog with one eye and no teeth and and just say hey i guess if he's okay i'm okay so yeah. he's kind of a hero to them in a sense but yeah it was so exciting you know of course when he won both rounds that was yeah that
1: was great and, and you mentioned his support is there a uh, is there a group of supporters or a facebook page or twitter handle you'd like to give a shout out to so people can check more. On, uh,
3: yes, out- Harley is on Facebook. You would have to search Harley Freight Train Taylor to find him on Facebook. On Twitter, he's Harley Puppy Mill Dog. On Instagram, he's also Harley Puppy Mill Dog.
1: Great. Well, um, so what would it mean for you and, and what would it mean for Harley for him to be named the 2015 American Hero Dog?
3: Oh gosh, that would be, that would just be absolutely incredible. You know, just to have made it to this point is huge. Um, for him to be included is along with the seven other hero dogs. That is so enormous and that is such a big deal for Harley. You know, like I said, you know, just over four years ago when he came out of that puppy mill and I just thought, gee, if he could just make it a couple more months, I want this dog who's never been petted, who's never seen the grass, who's never played with a toy who's never known in love. I just wanted him to be able to have that. And yeah. for him to just be able to go on and have the chance to, for his story to be told and people to hear it, I don't know, it, it makes me emotional thinking about it.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's an amazing story of, of redemption and hope. Have you had a chance to film your tribute video yet?
3: Yes, we just finished that on Friday night.
1: Oh, great. How did that go?
3: Oh, it was awesome. It was really, really fun. We did that on Thursday and Friday, and uh, the whole crew was great. Um, We had a really good time.
1: Talk a little bit about your charity partner, New Leash on Life, and and what they do and what their mission is.
3: Well, you know, I honestly, I haven't talked to them a whole lot. What I knew about them that made me select them is that I had read at one point, um, I believe it was an... A magazine or a newspaper article about how they took a rescue dog and they would turn that dog into a service dog. And I know it's a very small organization. I do know that their operating costs are, are 9,000 per year, which isn't a whole lot. But on the other hand, for such a small organization, it can be very hard to raise that kind of money. So it just kind of felt really good to think that I could kind of help this small organization um, help other people, especially with the idea that they are um, training rescue dogs.
1: Yeah. And we thank all of our charity partners for all the amazing work they do. And just uh, Mm a shout out to all of them if they're listening to keep up the good work. So what are you and Harley looking forward to most on your trip to L.A. for the gala?
3: I think just talking to people and being able to let people meet Harley and let them see him and hear his story and kind of feel that magic. For me, it's, it's all about spreading the message about puppy mills. And my big thing is trying to get across just kind of the fact that, you know, puppy mills didn't exist. There'd be 75% less dogs in shelters and rescues. And that is just so enormous. And I just really kind of want to get that message spread.
1: Yeah, well, you, you and Harley are, are doing great work in that area. And we wish you continued success. And I know I speak on behalf of Robin and myself. And we can't wait to meet you in L.A. in just a few weeks. So we wish you and Harley uh, safe travels. And we'll see you soon.
3: Okay, well, thank you very much.
1: All right, well, thank you, Rudy. Have a great day. And we'll be right back to wrap up today's show. We'll be right back,
0: right after these messages. Stay tuned.
3: Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at WhiteGate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at WhiteGate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.WhiteGatePR.com.
1: Let's talk, pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com <laughs> Thanks, Scott, for interviewing Landa and Rudy. Such amazing stories. And Scott has been my co-correspondent here on Pet Life Radio. We're so delighted that he's been able to take a few minutes to interview these incredible dogs and their handlers and learning more about their precious stories. Listeners, to vote for Glory, Harley, or any of our other six finalists, please remember to visit Hero Dog Awards every day between now and September 7th. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with two more amazing finalists at the 2015 American Humane Association Hero Dog Awards. Remember to vote at HerodogAwards.org each and every day. Friends, have a great week, and let's all remember, as always, to be humane.
1: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.